0: Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world today, I greet you in the name of Jesus Christ and I welcome you to, wow, what a show. My name is Phyllis and I am the host and this is the live outreach podcast of Rehoboth Institute of the Arts. That is our Episode list title. That's how you find us on your um, Podbean or your, I mean, I'm sorry, on your podcast um, app, whichever you use. Just search for Rehoboth Institute of the Arts and we shall indeed appear. God bless you. We're so glad that you have joined us tonight. And as always, I want to remind us that God is always performing. He is on display. Psalm 19 tells us that the heavens declare the glory of God, that the firmament shows forth his handiwork, and day unto day utters speech. Night unto night shows knowledge. There is no place where the speech is not heard. That is an amazing fact to ponder and awareness of God in every day of your life is set there right in our experience with the natural world. And we behold the glory of God and that glory is not only there for us to uh, look at, but also for us to uh, see and recognize as his almighty, powerful, wonderful hand. Blessed be the name of our Lord and our God forever and ever. You know, he's left a stamp of himself in the world so that we are able to know that he exists, that he is real. And all the things that we learn of him in the Bible uh, just really deepen and, you know, help us to articulate uh, his existence. And We should be very, very um, convinced and we should be, I believe, really happy that we know him and that he has called our names and so we can be witnesses of who he is. And that's important. That's very important because when you say that you know him and give witness of his presence, then you can invite others to do so and they will perhaps believe and uh, be themselves very willing to stand up for God and stand up for he, who he is. So I hope you will. As a matter of fact, I hope you will uh, pay attention more and more to the day when you arise in the morning and you will see the glory of God and just really honor him as he is very present in our world. So, uh, that is, is you know, what I like to declare every time I come on and I want to myself remember and know that our God is an awesome God and that he never leaves. He does not forsake us. His presence is always uh, around us. His protection is always with us. We are able to see and call upon him with the confidence that he hears us and that he will answer us. And uh, so I hope you uh, pay attention and then, you know, have your own testimony about the awareness of God in each new day, if you don't already. Right. So here we are again. We are in the Christmas season and it's amazing to me that um, there's so much about Christmas that I thought I knew. And yet, when I read more, I find that there is more to know. So I want to actually have a little uh, game tonight. If you can join me in it, it would be lovely. Um, We could play a game and see what we know about Christmas as Christians we should really know a good deal about any holiday that we say we're celebrating that honors our father um, and yet I- I'm not quite sure that we we know about Christmas uh, so hopefully if anyone shows in in the studio audience tonight we will uh, we will uh, discuss it you know and see how where we're going with it but um, if no one comes, then what I am going to do is I'm going to throw out some questions anyway, and then I am going to respond to them myself, right? So, um, like I said, this is Rehoboth Institute of the Arts, and this is our outreach, and we have been wanting to do um, uh, our podcast with artists, etc. But as and and when we and we and we do that, and we've had some really great ones in the last maybe four or five weeks. Definitely, we have had a serious and wonderful series on the analysis of the cultivation of the character Jane Eyre in Charlotte Bronte's novel. Jane Eyre. And it was just done so well. I was so blessed by it and I thank God that Anna was willing to come and and share with us. And she did and she did an excellent job. I hope that anyone here who missed that would be willing to go to the podcast uh, website or the podcast site. I don't know how to call that. But anyway, where all the episodes are uploaded and go back through it, I really think it would do your heart good. I really think it would be greatly benefic- benefiting for you to uh, listen to that as we are considering all the time our own salvation Tony Richie God bless you how are you so glad you are here and right now Tony it's just the two of us but I'm going to continue and as, as you you didn't hear but but, but maybe you uh, will join me in <clears throat> in uh playing a little game uh fun facts about Christmas but before I start I want to ask the Lord to guide me in this process tonight I um It took me a long time to know what I would do tonight because it is just before Christmas. And I really don't kind of turn my mind to Christmas like that until the last couple of days when I know that family is dependent on me. So then I kind of get down and, you know, try to make a um, a festivity happen for my family. But when my family, you know, my kids are now grow my children are on their own pretty much. And only my son lives in an apartment below. then um, I don't kind of pay attention to that much anymore. Um, I don't. I this, but but this this year I am doing so, and <clears throat> I'm doing so though with a little bit more. What do you call it? Um, I, for some reason, I'm paying attention to the the um, what are the good uh, elements of Christmas, those things that we decorate with and how how we actually do Christmas. I'm really paying attention to that. And it started me wondering again for the, maybe the third time in my life I've actually stopped and done some history and all that stuff. <clears throat> but this year I was sitting in church and um, I saw the Christmas tree there right all decorated and sitting right beside the Podium where the preacher preached from. It's not quite the, you know, I don't guess he calls it an altar. But I, uh, and for the, I'm telling you, it seemed very odd. Good evening, Shreese. How are you? I am so glad you are here. God bless you. We're going to play a little game, see what we know tonight. <laughs> I don't know that we know much. And I don't know that I'm, you know, it's going to be all that organized, but nonetheless, uh, I, I do want to do this. And what I am trying to find out, of course, is, um, how much we know about this thing we call Christmas. So over the years, like I said, um, there there have been times when I would just kind of question the whole idea of a celebration that was not laid out in the biblical record for the early church. And so I decided, well, I'm just not going to deal with that, kind of, sort of. But it seems so odd that this Christmas tree is sitting there in the church. And, of course, I know that this Christmas tree, the the decorating of the tree and all of that stuff, has kind of, you know, has been kind of pulled into uh, the meaning of Christmas, as we call it. But I also know that um, in the, oh, and I didn't look it up, I apologize, but it is in one of the one of the uh, major prophetic books there is a kind of a scathing accusation against israel for uh, going out and decorating the tree you know and so i i read that some years ago and i was astounded that it was actually in the bible like that and that it was not something that god appreciated so I'm, again, I'm sitting in church and I'm looking at this Christmas tree, you know, sitting right there beside. And I thought to myself, is there a mingling of of uh, things holy with those that have been traditionally, you know, uh, eschewed kind of a, a distaste at the Lord? has about these. And Sharice, yes, join me in this. And you're going to help love love this tonight. I hope you will. And help me right along. And I want you just, everybody, to just write your thoughts. Because there came a time in, I guess, my lifetime when many people began, many Christians around me, you know, my mother being one of them, began to question uh, this holiday that is really so festive and so bright and so delightful, right, um, that uh, we we don't want to kind of give it up. But at the same time, we also don't want to have one foot in a trend that God is not pleased with and the other foot in, you know, what we call a holy celebration. We do not want that uh to be ever a hindrance. And so um, we're so, so glad. Hi, I'm sorry, I'm reading and talking at the same time. Welcome over. Okay, Brande and Lord again. Yes, we bless him. Okay, <laughs> thank you, Tony. So I thought we would play this game tonight and see what we do know. And then maybe also uncover some things that we don't know. And as I said, it only came to me uh, this afternoon to do this. And, and I had a... Uh, I had appointments today. This afternoon was full. I was not at home. I couldn't sit down really and, and deal with this as a topic. I was going to do something different. Um, but now I, I'm going to pull in what I was going to do with that, and that is look at the prophecies of the of Jesus Christ and his birth, and then read the Christmas story. Of course, it just makes good sense, doesn't it? But the, the more I thought about it, the more I thought, well, okay, that yeah, I think everybody kind of knows that. So let's do something a little bit. And I'm sitting in a in a uh, performance, is even my little granddaughter, and um, and it came to me to do what I'm going to do. So we're going to play a game, right? And bear with me. Because of course, you know I'm not organized about it, but nonetheless, here we go. The first question I'm going to, so, I'm going to ask you guys questions. Hi, Rehoboth. Well, bless the Lord. It's so good you are here. And Shreese and Pastor Thomas, hello there. And uh, Tony and uh, Fresh in Spaces is here and Light Touches. here. Oh, we got a good, good little audience going. So this is going to be fun because you guys are going to help me out a whole bunch, right? It is Christmas. And what I want to say to you, that for the aspect of Christmas that causes us to remember that Jesus Christ really did come. He was really born and he really uh, was acknowledged as a holy thing. And the angels did indeed proclaim glory to God in the highest, according to the biblical record, and peace on earth, goodwill towards men. I really want to uh, focus in on those words at the end of all of this. Uh, the, what 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 were those angels telling us? Okay, the angels. What were they proclaiming? What was that great star um, uh, that rested over that? Uh, manger where he was born. What was the significance of all of that? I really want to discuss it, and I shall. But tonight, we're going to have some fun with this. And I want to know what everybody knows about Christmas. First of all, I'm asking, do you know even one prophecy that uh, foretells the coming of Jesus Christ? And if you do, and don't cheat, do not go and get your bibles and look it up. Right off the top of your head, you need not even have any shame, fear or feel whatever about knowing or not knowing. We are testing ourselves. We're doing a self-assessment, and I just love to do that for myself because it brings me to my uh, to a, 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 a it brings me to humility. I humble myself under the mighty hand of God and I call out to him for my need, you see. And therefore I have I, I don't have to be ashamed because God has promised to finish in me the good work that He started. And so uh if He has to finish it, then I I want to cooperate with His finishing. Okay, so don't don't worry about it. don't cheat. I shouldn't call it a cheat. I shouldn't, cause it's really okay. Whatever you do, but I want to know if you know one prophecy. And if you do, I'm gonna count to ten. I want you to type it into the chat, and I will. um, Let's see who finished first. But everybody is a winner. Okay, dokie. So here we go. One, one prophecy. Just give me the book and the prophecy. You don't have to give me a. you know, a, a, a an address. Okay, so here we go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. <laughs> Nobody even wrote anything, did you? Okay, no, no, no no, 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 Tony said he's going to prepare a place for us with the Father, so I know he would definitely he's definitely going to come again, actually, yes, that's good that that's future yet that it that is a prophecy that has not yet been fulfilled. I mean, well, he has gone right, but he hasn't come back to take us there, um, but a prophecy of the coming of Christ. It is so um, accurate, these prophecies. And so I am going to, of course, let's see. Okay, Shri says a son uh, shall come from the line. Good, absolutely wonderful. That's good. That is one of the prophecies. Yes, that he should come from the line of David. And uh, so tonight you're going to learn something because I'm going to go, oh, so Sharice is, Sharice she, she, you she won round one. Okay, so there we have it. Sharice is the winner there. Uh, I'll send you something good, okay? Everybody's going to get a prize, but Sharice is going to get that one for that prize, okay? Or oh, the winner will get it uh, for the whole evening. So here are the prophecies of the coming of Jesus Christ, and they were fulfilled In the birth right there. So I'm going to tell you the prophecy. The first one is from Genesis 22, chapter 22, verse 18. He shall be a descendant of Abraham. And it it reads there, and through your offspring, all nations on the earth will be blessed. It is fulfilled in Matthew 1, verses 1 through 17, and in Luke 3 verses 23 through 38, the genealogy of Jesus Christ lays out in the book of Matthew and in Luke Luke the details. Jesus' lineage through Abraham, through Isaac, and through Jacob. And the lion. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And if you go, if in, you know, that genealogy traces him back. So you keep going back and back and back. And, um, I I want to get my Bible because I don't have it here. But if you read through the genealogy, you will find that he is all the way back to Abraham. The genealogy takes us and through the line of David. Through the line of David. And that's good, right? For unto us... A child is born, a son is given. That's right. And the government will be upon his shoulders, and he shall be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of this government and peace there will be no end. Absolutely. That is Isaiah. So we we're going to do that one, right? Um so that's another fulfilled prophecy, and it is uh, from the book of Isaiah. Now, you know something about that very scripture, too. It is, um, uh, that's in Isaiah, I think it's nine and uh, verses six and seven. Uh, God so, is so wonderful in his way that this composer, musician, Handel, I forget Handel's full name. Oh my goodness, Uh, Handel! I I forget his full name. Nonetheless, the Handel, you know, in in the fifteenth and um, the sixteenth century, many of the classical composers were employed by the church, and so they created music for church. And Handel wrote the Messiah, this amazing work, and it is all scripture. He wrote it in a full 28 days. It is the um, Bible as through prophetic words and other things that have been spoken by God. You have to listen to the Messiah. You have to listen to it. You have to hear all of that scripture set to music. But he wrote this one, For unto us a child is born, a chorus Full chorus, and it is um, just a wonderful, wonderful work uh, to listen to. And it was presented in a in a uh, church or I can't remember. I read the story so many years ago, and at the end of it, the piece is so magnificent that the king stood up. And that's why when we hear the Messiah and it that final chorus, <clears throat> we are supposed to stand. Out of reverence, that they were so moved and so taken by this com- this complete work, and so every Christmas, every Easter, there is a there is a portion that can be sung at Christmas and a portion that can be sung at, e- at Easter because he covers the birth and the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and finally the uh, a Hallelujah chorus, and it ends with the that grand amen. It is amazing. It's amazing. And um, all this scripture. So every Christmas you can hear this music. So guess what, guys? Guess what that has done? That has caused the gospel to be preached all over the world. This gospel of Jesus Christ has been carried in song every which way, because everybody, everybody nation that studies any music at all and has a grand chorus is singing the Messiah. But that is not the only oratorio ever written to glorify God. There are many of them. I danced in one, Elijah, right? And there's just just so many works. But this one work is the one that has been sung since it was composed throughout all of these centuries and uh, I think it might have been oh uh, gosh I'm so unprepared. I can't remember when it was uh composed, but and you know I could find it, but that's not our purpose tonight. Nonetheless, uh, look it up and listen to it. You will be blessed. So that's one prophecy. That's two prophecies. So Tony got a prophecy too. Tony and Sharice each have one there. And then um are there any more? Have I missed any? His kingdom would be on our shoulders it's come through like touch like the show <laughs> all right now the other prophecies that maybe you don't know about are as we've done the two Isaiah ones we do the fact that he shall be a descendant of Jacob uh, is uh, written in uh, numbers 24 verse 17 a star will come out of Jacob, a scepter will rise out of Israel. And it was fulfilled in Matthew one twenty through 25, again Luke one twenty through 35. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him, and this would be Joseph, into a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee thy, uh, Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. And so we've got those, right? Um, Scriptures. I'm sorry. The virgin birth. That's from Isaiah 714. I read the wrong one for. I was about to say that. I didn't say anything about that. But this is from Numbers 24. It is written and fulfilled in Matthew the geniality of Jesus laid out in the book of Matthew and Luke details Jesus's lineage through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob again. It is there. So, uh one more. It's have I'm going to give them all to you. Uh then the 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 time that Jesus would come was prophesied in Daniel uh, chapter 9 verses 25 through 26. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again, and the wall, even in troublous times. And after threescore and two weeks, shall Messiah be cut off. This is prophesying his death but not for himself and the people or the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary and the end thereof shall be with a flood and unto the end of the war, desolations are determined. So this is a heavy prophecy and it's fulfilled uh, when Messiah will appear on the scene it, that that fulfillment tells us that in terms of those weeks, that's the counting of the weeks of years Um, And it tells us that after his appearance, Messiah will be rejected by his people. And number three, that Messiah will be cut off temporarily an obvious reference to the cross. Then the seven weeks with the 62 weeks combined to make 69 weeks of years or 433 years until the coming of Messiah. The starting point for the 433 years was a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. This is a reference to the decree given in the time of Nehemiah in the 20th uh, year of King Artaxerxes in 445 BC, and that's in Nehemiah 2 1 through 8. And after this, Messiah would appear on the scene. The words until Messiah, the prince, refers to a time when Messiah would be manifested as the prince of Israel. This would be around AD 30 through 33. And we know that, that Jesus' uh, time of ministry is in uh, those years. So the time of his birth. As the Emmanuel of God would have to be around AD zero four, uh, so you see these guys are people. They're counting time in ways that, that you know I would only have known if I had read them. But there it is. But you know what? Even to the fulfillment of where he would be born, that prophecy is made in Micah chapter five verse two and fulfilled, and of course in Luke and Matthew the the, the account of the birth of Christ. But thou Bethlehem, Ephrata though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old and from everlasting. And of course, you can go ahead and read that again in those same books. Um, destruction of the children. Remember, after Jesus Christ was born, they say he, he might have been um about three years old, uh, because King Herod was looking for him, right? And he sent forth those wise men, those men who were supposed to come back and tell him where where he was. They found him, but they didn't go back. They went uh, somewhere else so they wouldn't be found uh, and destroyed because they didn't want Christ destroyed either. They didn't want to put that on that uh, innocent baby. And so... Uh, it is written in jeremiah 31:15 a voice was heard in ramah lamentation weeping and great mourning rachel weeping for her children refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Now, Rachel was the wife of, of um, Jacob, right? And if Jesus Christ is out of the lineage of Jacob, he is also from the tribe of Judah. His lineage takes him back through David, and he goes all the way back to the tribe of Judah, right? And Rachel then, being the wife, now she was not the mother of Judah. Judah was born between from Jacob and Leah, but uh, I believe that the Lord accounts uh, Rachel as the mother because she was the, the the wife that Jacob worked for those first seven years, and that's the one he was supposed to have, but he was tricked and he got Leah instead, right? And Leah had all these sons; Rachel only had two and died after the in the the birth of the last one. Uh, so that is that scripture when Herod sought for Christ. Those wise men didn't come back after a few years and he went looking for them and told them to crucify every child under the age of, and I think it was three years old. And so all those children were destroyed. And remember, God sent word to Joseph to turn out and not go in the direction they were supposed to be going into. So I think that's how Jesus Christ ended up in Jerusalem. Read behind me and make sure that I am telling you the absolute truth. Right. Uh, Let's see. Under the, according to the time, which. So then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem. And in all the coasts, there are from two years old. And I said three, but it was two according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Then was fulfillment was uh, which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, In Ramah was there a voice heard of lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and would not be comforted because they are not. Wow. So, um, yes, Cherise, he will be crucified for our sins. And that is in the uh, prophetic uh, scripture that we read before. Then uh, there's another prophecy that he would return from Egypt. That's what the Lord sent him into Egypt to to cover and keep Jesus from being uh, massacred by Herod's men. So in in Hosea, it is written that out of Egypt, I call my son. And that is fulfilled in Matthew 2 13 through 15. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt and be thou there until I bring thee word from Herod, who will seek the young child to destroy him. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother. By night and departed into Egypt and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of uh, the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. So there it is, guys. You know, the Bible is amazing. If it is written like it was in the King and I, remember he said, So let it be written, so let it be done. That's God, honey. When he says it's going to happen, It happens, and it happens just like he said it was going to happen. Okay, so there we go. Now, let's keep on moving with our little um, good evening, Miss Teeny. It's so good to see you here. uh, Question two. Uh, Okay, what is my question? Okay, do you know when Christ was born? Oh, do you know the time of year that Christ was born? Can you give me a scripture that would kind of point us to the time of year that Christ was born, the season, so to speak? Was he born, you think, in the uh, winter, like we celebrate in the birthday? Was he born, do you think, in the summer? Was he born, do you think, in the um, spring? Or was he born, do you think, in the fall? Just This is a thought question, so everybody will get what point for this one. When do you think he was born? So somebody, Freshen says in the spring. Okay, Freshen okay we got one question two anybody else have any ideas uh yeah okie dokie spring spring tony says the spring Mm -hmm. and i'd like to know why you think the spring tell me why you think the spring because I'm thinking a different season, but you tell me why you think spring, because you could be very, very right. Um, okay, so we have two there. So now Tony has two, Freshon has one, Sharice has one. And let's go on to our next census taking. Ah, woo, we got some. Uh, And and that's what I think, uh, I think a colder time because he was wrapped. Okay. And okay. So Sharice is asking, but okay, what is the colder time that you think? uh, uh, But don't we, don't we generally wrap babies when they're born? I don't know, but a colder time. So is that winter, Sharice? Or is that spring? It's kind of chilly sometimes in our spring, but you know what? We're, we, we are in a different part of the world, right? Um. And so I I was in um, Guayaquil, Ecuador. So I, I, I spent a mission time down there, right on the equator, right on the equator I was, right? And you would think it was hot as July jam, right? And it was, but it was their winter time. It was their winter. And the winter uh, is marked not by a much of a change in temperature. It does lower a little bit, but it's it's marked by other things that happen in the season. Tad is from Ethiopia, and their winter is the rainy season. Not much change in temperature. Average temperature in Ethiopia is 72 degrees right there around where he came up, uh, Addis Ababa, right? But... um. I guess the Jewish normally wrap their newborn babes regardless of the season. I don't know, but he was wrapped. Sharice, you do make a, a an observation there that we will check out. So um, we have spring, spring, and then we have, I don't know if that's winter or if it's fall. And I'm gonna just add my little two cents in it. I, I'm thinking that it was probably the fall. And the reason I do so, and I can't go into it right now, but I will, I'll bring it to you later, but I'm thinking the fall. Let's do some research and see how close we come to maybe being right. We don't really know because um, unless the census taken. Now, that is a, um, a really the detail that I had never uh, considered. So we shall consider it. All righty. And now here it is. At third, the third one. Uh, Was Christmas a holiday established by God through Jesus Christ in the early church? Was Christmas that holiday a holiday? Any takers on that one? When did we? Is Christmas an always holiday, or did it just show up at some other time? Anybody say? No takers there? Okay. I want to, um, uh, uh, I want to read something to you on that matter. Uh, let's see. Um, I gotta just find myself. Oh, I didn't count down, did I? Uh, One, (laughs) ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. All righty. So we got oh, got answers here. Light touch says no. That is so true. Light touch. Uh so there's one and Freshen says no. Okay, Freshen, that's two for you. And then there is Tony says Uh I really don't know. <laughs> but I think it just came after Saint Francis. Okay, so uh, we're gonna give Tony one there, three. I don't know if it's after Saint Francis or not. Oh, Saint Nicholas rather. Okay. And then Teen says no. So Teeny has one too. All righty, thank you for jumping in, everybody. And Sharice, I didn't see you there. She says she's not sure. Okie dokie, so right ho. Now remember it's it's odd, isn't it? Because we have uh two, three chapters in two of the gospels that cover the not the, the, you know the, Matthew gives a lot of genealogy in that first one, but the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. We have a lot of coverage on the birth in the two gospels, and then all this prophecy, but there is never a an established holiday as it was for the celebration of the resurrection of Christ. And so you guys are on the right patch. It was never established. So then you say, well, where did it come from? Uh, let's read a little bit here. In the middle of winter, that, that that's always been a celebration around the world uh, for uh, people, concerning light and the birth and darkness of the days of winter. Many people rejoiced during the winter solstice when the worst of the winter was behind them and they could look forward to longer days and extended hours of sunlight. In Scandinavia the North celebrate the Yule from December 21. And remember, now think about these references. We call it Tide season, right? The winter solstice through January in recognition of the return of the sun. Fathers and sons would bring home large logs. We say the, the Yule log, which they would set on the fire. The people would uh, feast until the log burned out. Which could take as many as twelve days—twelve days of Christmas. The uh, Norse believed that each spark from the fire represented a new pig or a calf that would be born during the coming year. Now, you know, the Jewish people, pigs and calves—that—that that is not quite how they go. You know, the pig, and definitely maybe the calf, but not. Um, unless it was uh, koshered. And so the end of December was a perfect time for celebration in most areas of Europe. At that time of year, most cattle were slaughtered, so they would not have to be fed during the winter for many it was the only time of year when they had a supply of fresh meat in addition most wine and beer made during the year was finally fermented and ready for drinking in germany people honored the pagan god of odin during the midwinter holiday and germans were terrified of odin as they believed he made nocturnal flights through the sky to observe his people and then decide who would prosper or perish. We're going to find out who's naughty or nice, right? St. Nicholas, right? Um, um, as they believed he not turn flights, I'm sorry, and then decide who would prosper or perish, who gets a good gift, right? The good children get the gifts, right? Because of this presence, many people chose to stay inside. So now we come to Saturnalia and Christmas. In Rome, where winters were not as harsh as those in the far north, Saturnalia, a holiday in honor of Saturn, the god of agriculture, was celebrated. Beginning in the week leading up to the winter solstice and continuing for a full month, Saturnalia was a hedonistic time when food and drink were plentiful and the normal uh, Roman social order was turned upside down. For a month, enslaved people were given temporary freedom and treated as equals. Businesses and schools were closed so that everyone could participate in holiday festivities. And the beat goes on. So is Christmas a day that when Jesus Christ was really born, you have so Truthfully stated, no, and we really don't know when um, Christ was born. So this holiday was um, brought in uh, to to the church in the fourth century. It was never celebrated in the church until the fourth century. And um, the main holiday of the Christians in the early years of the church was Easter, the main holiday. The birth of Christ was not celebrated. And in the 4th century, church officials decided to institute the birth this holiday. And uh, the Bible does not mention dates and all that. We already said so. But uh, although some evidence suggests that his birth may have occurred in the spring on a king, and you got that, right? Uh, why would shepherds be herding in the middle of winter? Okay, so Pope Julius the First chose December 25th. Pope Julius of the Roman Church chose December 25th and it's commonly believed that the church chose this date in an effort to adopt and absorb the traditions of pagan Saturnalia festival, first called the Feast of the Nativity. The custom spread to Egypt and then to England by 432, so it's in this century, this um, 400, you know, which is the 5th the century, uh, it kept spreading and it went, it was in England by the end of the sixth century. And by holding Christmas at the same time as the traditional winter solstice festivals, church leaders increased the chances that Christmas would be popularly embraced, but gave up the ability to dictate how it was celebrated. And it goes on, you know, the celebrations were made kind of crazy. It was raucous to the degree that Christmas was, uh, and this is the next question. Uh, was there ever a time when Christmas was banned. Was Christmas ever banned? Anybody, any takers? Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four. Three, two, one. Okay, you've been feeding off each other. That's right. It was banned. It was banned in Scotland for a while. It was banned in England for a while. And guess what, guys? When those um, pilgrims came to the United States, this is the next question. Was there a Christmas in the U.S.? Ten nine eight seven six five four three two one no idea yes yes okay so two people got it wrong (laughs) okay everybody else got another point there okay so Um, Christmas was cancelled, definitely. Uh, In the early 17th century, a wave of religious reform changed the way Christmas was celebrated in Europe. And then when Oliver Cromwell and his Puritan forces took England in 1645, they vowed to rid England of the decadence. As a part of their effort, they cancelled Christmas. Because uh, if you read up on it, these people were given leave to go and just create all kinds of havoc during those days. (laughs) It is funny, isn't it? It is very funny. Um, But so it was banned. It was outlawed in Boston as well. Um, And that was from 1659 to 1681. But the pilgrims came to America in 1620. They were even more orthodox than their Puritan beliefs then Cromwell, and as a result, Christmas was not a holiday in this country uh, from 1659 to 1681. The celebration of Christmas was actually outlawed in Boston. Anyone exhibiting the Christian spirit was fined five shillings. Now, that's funny, right? Because they use the term spirit, the Christmas spirit. And that Christmas spirit came out of those wild celebrations where that, you know, the slave Slave people were given leave for that 30 days and they would really drink up and carry on and go to the rich people's houses you should read it, it's really funny and of course I read it, you know Um, And then all these um, these uh, emblems that we have to represent Christmas were part of celebrations that happened in in the um, hedonistic fashion and the uh, pagan fashions and the uh, uh, celebrations of these gods, the Saturnalia and all that stuff. Read it after the American Revolution. English customs fell out of favor, including Christmas. So, in fact, Christmas wasn't declared a federal holiday until June 26th in 1870. There was not a lot of Christmas going on in the U.S., right? And then there are some things that come up. Washington Irving comes up here, reinvents it, and we have a sketchbook. uh, Things are happening that bring it back. But. What happened also is that the uh, the wealthier nobility here decided they would make it a family time and they would get rid of all the decadence that had been attached to it prior. So in the United States is where it became a more sensible holiday, uh, more festive and family time. And uh, during this era, A Christmas Carol was written in, uh, by Charles Dickens, and uh we have also um let's see, uh oh well what is it? The family was also becoming uh, there's another thing that happened. Oh uh, the um uh, the, the Pope wrote this story about uh Saint Santa Claus. But it wasn't Santa Claus, it was Saint Nicholas. He's a real he's a real person, you know. Um he came into the American pop popular culture in the late eighteenth century in New York, when Dutch families gathered to honor the anniversary of the death of St. Nicholas, uh, the Dutch for St. Nicholas, or Sinterklaas, which is short for Santa Claus. Um, the Episcopal minister, Clement Clark Moore, in 1822, wrote a Christmas poem called An Account of a Visit from St. Nick Nicholas. And it is more popularly known as Twas the night before Christmas. So the answer is no. There was not always Christmas in the U.S. It it, it did not happen, and it was not declared a holiday until the uh, eighteen sixty whatever that was. I said okay. So now uh, that was good. So describe. You no, know, well, I already did that. You could describe the celebrations of Christmas in the middle in the Middle Ages. But we did that already. Okay. And um, we did the last one. Now, I the last question was, why Santa Claus? But I just read you that too. <laughs> yes, he defended Christianity. Uh-huh. Who? Yes, he defended Christianity. Was that St. Nicholas, uh, Santa Claus? Yeah. So th- this stuff is really interesting, right? So here's some Christmas facts. Uh can you guess about how many christmas trees are sold every year? Anybody guess? 10, 9, 8, good guess. 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2. One. <laughs> oh, this is good. Billions comes from Tony. Um uh, two hundred thousand, or is that two hundred thousand? Uh, light touch, and Freshen says millions. Okay, so Freshen's—I'm th- thinking, okay, Freshen's light touch. Yes, okay, two hundred thousand. Well, guess how many? And and so Honor, you win that one. Twenty-five to thirty million, twenty-five to thirty million Christmas trees are sold in the U.S. In, in, here. That's about 15,000 Christmas tree farms in the United States, and trees usually grow for from four to 15 years before they are sold. That is amazing. That is amazing. I just think that's crazy, don't you? But anyway, we cut down all those trees, right, for one day celebration. However, you can get a tree that you can regrow so all the trees are not destroyed. I have a friend that I work with, a guy who was the social worker in my program, and he uh, has planted a tree for every year of his two boys' lives. So he replanted his uh, his uh, Christmas trees, and, and I like that. I would love to do that. So um, some facts. What, what American uh, state has a celebration that precedes the Lenten season, but is really fashioned after the Middle Ages celebration of Christmas? more than the people that know about Christ's birth. Sharice, you're just about right on that matter. I meet children today who don't know the name Jesus. Our work is cut out for us, guys. Tony says, it is New York City. Mm, Tony, I know we would think so, but it is not New York City. Come on, Americans. What state? Maine? No. No. What state, I'm sorry, Anna Kane, (laughs) I deviated. I don't know. What state in the United States or what famous city has a celebration that precedes the Lenten season, but most resembles what the, you know, those celebrations were in the Middle Ages for Christmas, rowdy and raucous, anybody know California Hollywood, I guess <laughs> San Francisco, oh my goodness, you all are funny, okay, I'm just gonna have to give you ten night, oh Louisiana, absolutely light touch that's your point, girl. that is exactly right. what's it called? Come on, what's it called? what's it called? what's it called ten nine eight seven six Idaho. <laughs> I like touching good. Mardi Gras, absolutely. Fat Tuesday. And on that day, I mean, you know, I was blessed. I was in a band in, in, in high college. You know, I was in band all my life, it feels like, at, at that time. It doesn't now. But uh, we we uh, played in a, uh, in a parade for Mardi Gras. I'm telling you, the whole city turns upside down. And all those um, beads, they throw the beads out on the from the balconies, and we must have marched. In. That that parade had to be 10 miles long. I came away from that parade with, I mean, I was tired, my legs hurt and everything. Um, so that is exactly right. It is New Orleans. New Orleans. Nouvelle Orléans. It is a French, it was, you know, New Orleans was um I mean, what is Louisiana was held by the French for a minute there. And uh, they brought that that, uh, that celebration before Lent season. That's it, absolutely. Another um, Christmas fact is when it was canceled from 1659 to 1681, the celebration of Christmas was outlawed in Boston. And lawbreakers, where well, I told you that were fine five shillings, how about that? Christmas was declared a federal holiday on June 26th in 1870. Another fact, the first eggnog made in the United States was consumed in Captain John Smith's 1607 <laughs> Jamestown settlement. The first, excuse me, eggnog. I used to make eggnog all the time. I love that stuff. And then the Salvation Army has been sending Santa Claus clad donation collectors into the streets since the 1890s. Um, Then the poinsettia uh, are named for Joel R. Poinsett, an American minister to Mexico who brought the red and green plant from Mexico to America in 1828. It is a beautiful plant and it is so beautiful really. Uh, Rudolph, the most famous red reindeer of the mall, was a product of Robert L. May's imagination in 1939. The copywriter wrote a poem about the reindeer to help lure customers into the Montgomery Ward Department Store. We know Montgomery Ward, right? We all shopped there at some point. If you're from the, well, where was Montgomery? In the South, yeah. Construction workers started the Rockefeller Center Christmas Tree in 1931. So guys, I had fun. I hope you did have a little bit. And I hope you learned a little something. Now, the, I want to, you know, kind of draw this, to. but let's see who the winner is, though. Who is the winner? A light Touch has three. Freshen has two, four. Tony has four. Teeny has two. And Sharice has three. So you didn't do bad. It was really good, and everybody gets a gift from the podcast. How about that? I appreciate you taking part. That was wonderful. Pastor Thomas, he would have won, but he left us, didn't he? <laughs> and he came back just as we are finishing up. So that's good, that's good, that's good. So many things about Christmas. And because we really want to be uh, in line with God, I I did this tonight so that if you have ever questioned your uh, participation in it or questioned any of those things that are associated with it at least you will And you may have looked it up. I don't know. You know, I looked it up many times and I I went back and forth a little bit. I stopped doing a Christmas tree, but it was easy for me to stop because my children had grown up. You know, it was easy thing to do it. One year with the children, I I did not uh, do a a Christmas tree because I really got very concerned. And like I said, this year I was sitting there and I was looking at that tree. And I will give you the reference for this uh, decorating of the tree that is in the Old Testament. I'm going to find it, I hope, before we, before we uh, finish up tonight. But while I'm doing that, I want to uh, talk about the proclamation of the angels. Guys, really think on this matter. Picture yourself, put yourself in that place where Jesus Christ was born whatever the weather that night it was clear night it had to be because the star was over this manger the wise men had followed this star and they landed at this manger in some barn somewhere out in um maybe maybe not out uh in a field but away from the public because the inn was full. Everyone had been called down to pay these taxes. So actually they were alone in this birth, but they were surrounded by many, I can imagine, right? And then you have this bright, phenomenal star, which many archaeologists have looked into it and tried to find out, you know, who, what this star was. Was there any uh, uh, historical recordings of this amazing star? And there has been some reporting of what this star might have been, right? Uh, but nonetheless, here's this infant child and these men have come and they actually pay homage to him. They bring these gifts that signify the life that he would live. Frankincense, myrrh. Myrrh was used. um, I think myrrh and frankincense may be. Well, frankincense is like a, oh my goodness, help me out. What is the significance of the frankincense? The myrrh, I think, is significant of the death, the gold of his kingship. See, and they bring these elements there. How could they have known, which they did know, they had Herod used them, uh I think the tree scripture is misunderstood, but it's worth searching. There are scriptures that have been taken out of context. Well, actually, I read it for myself, and I don't think it's bad. But anyway, oh, I'm just blessed to be a part of this wonderful family. Just Oh, praise be to God. Thank you, Tony. Look at the happiness and joy all over the house. I thank God for giving families that um, does not place limitations on people, no matter where they are from. You got that right. It's a wonderful thing. But the, here we go with this, um these elements and the wise men knew that this baby had been prophesied and they must have known also that the time was upon them. And so Herod sends them out to find this prophetic fulfillment and they did find it and then they made their way. Away, I can't remember if they went into Egypt too, but they got away from Herod, because Herod was a very, very wicked king, according to the reports. You know, there's an old expression they say that uh, kind of signifies that, and you can't out Herod Herod, right? He, he's just he was just a bad, bad kind of guy, and uh, he was going to kill, and he did kill those children. And here we are, fulfilled prophecy right before you, in the form of a baby. A baby, right? And so this child was born as you and I nurtured and raised but demonstrating a wisdom beyond his years as the story is told in the Bible. And at that place, the angels proclaim a message and um. I want to read that from the, the account. I think if you guys will help me go directly to it, I think it might be um, in uh, Luke. It might be also in Matthew. I just am not. I have read it uh, up late. Anybody see? Um, and there were in the heavens, the flame of Jesus spread. Jesus Okay, no, no, no. Where is it, guys? Uh, the fight. okay. Uh when they had heard the king, and they had heard the king. Then Herod, when he had privately, gently, anyone see it, and when they were okay, they were at the birth of Jesus Christ. That's what I'm looking for the visit. Otherwise, wise men. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to have to read this again. It's funny, right? We kind of know. Matthew 2, is it there? Uh, I'm, I'm in Matthew 2 now and I don't see it. Oh, the angel appears. No, that's to Joseph. Uh, Bethlehem. I don't see it. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, saying where is he that is born king? When Herod heard of that. Okay, that's not it. It must be in Luke that declaration, that proclamation of the angels. And I want to read it. I don't want to just do my own version of quoting it. I really want to read it. Um, here. Here it is. But Mary kept all the same. When the sacrifice it was revealed. Okay, here it is. And suddenly, it's in uh, Luke chapter 2. And um. Uh, it's a great story. Verse 13 says, and suddenly there was with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, okay, it wasn't at the birth actually, it was after it was revealed that he would come. Uh, I guess they were talking to who? Uh, Oh, Okay, I don't know. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them unto heaven, into heaven, that the shepherds said one to another, let us now go unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Yeah, I got myself confused there. The angels announced to the shepherds, and that's what they say. Fear not. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the, uh, the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, Praising God, I think you know I would love to have been out there. Good gracious, let me tell you all. When I went to uh, Niagara Falls on the Canadian side, which I am told is more spectacular than on the American side, uh, Anna was there. We drove. We were approaching uh, the destination, right, and we could hear the fall of the water. We could hear that water falling, and we were not there yet. We were way down the street. I became so. Petrified. I was actually scared out of myself. I was afraid to actually go up to the lookout. And okay, I had lots of fun, but I have to say, oh, God bless, we will pray for them. I shall, I shall right on. Welcome, Joy. Sharice, thank you so much for taking the part. Everyone, you read Sharice's uh, her, her, uh, uh, chat there, and we're praying for her dial. So, these angels, I, I, I'm am making a I'm making a point. I was afraid in the face of the power of God, right, in the declaration of His glory, in the sound of that falling water, I could have fallen on my face and never moved. I didn't want to move. I didn't want to go up there, right? And I don't know where Victoria Falls is in Africa, but it's greater than Niagara Falls over here. It is a powerful, I've seen pictures of it, and I'm telling you, I would be petrified. The sound of the water is enough of it. But to see an angel proclaiming the birth and the fulfillment of this prophecy to the lowly, such as a shepherd is, out there tending sheep, right? And to say to them that there is now some something that has happened for you. It has happened for you. And then to be joined by the angelic host, singing praises and saying, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. I wondered all these years if there was peace on earth and goodwill toward me, and why is there so much chaos and pain and sorrow and suffering and war and tension and racism and hatred? What was that that they were saying, Lord? And today God showed it. Well, it was just today. It came uh, some time ago, but I brought it back again. What, he, what I believe they were really saying is that there in that manger, wrapped in those swaddling, and I'm told that swaddling means kind of ragged, kind of unkempt, those clothes, a lowly child born to just an ordinary lowly family, announced to just these ordinary lowly shepherds, was peace peace and God's desire for all men to experience His goodwill and that whosoever would receive and accept the greatness that God had now performed on behalf of all men they would be the recipients of his salvation and they could be called the children of God. I tell you guys, that's a lot to think about and even more to be thankful for. And if you have yet to receive Peace, Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. If you have yet to receive that goodwill, I would that all men should repent, come to repentance and that none should perish. Then, right now, as we look at how mankind can institute a thing and then... For one purpose, make it another purpose, and it can just kind of be balled up. But God is constant. He never told us we had to celebrate his birthday. He never said, go out and give gifts, because he had given the ultimate. We can't out give him in that. He has given to us peace and his goodwill. And he has called out to the whole world, the declaration of his glory and his salvation. And he bids us all come in and sup and have eternal life. And that's my prayer for all, everyone, under the sound of this voice tonight, not just that you are saved, but that you tell someone else. You be a witness and you tell them about the goodness of God, in that He did indeed make a decree. And that decree was born, that prophetic statement from the beginning of time, when He told Adam and Eve in their sin, when it was found out that He would redeem them. He said it, He said it, He said it, He said, it, he said that Satan would bruise his heel, but that. He would crush. Hallelujah, Satan said. And he said it would come forth from this woman. Glory, glory to God. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we've had a great deal of fun tonight, at least I have, and I thank you for those who joined in it. Just looking at the facts and not being overburdened, Lord God, with a thought, but I ask you to create in us a clean heart and a pure understanding that we may celebrate you as you would please us to do. And that we, Lord God, would never forget that you were born to die. And maybe that's why you did not institute a celebration of your birth because you were born in the form of Jesus Christ, fashioned in that made the, a human body to die and pay the ultimate price for the redemption of mankind, anyone who would come. Pay the price for our sins. And the whole biblical story walks us from your institution of this people, these people, this, these, you know, this creation, man and woman, and the procreation to bring about the final call of the righteous into your eternal kingdom. You did it. You never lie. And we're so grateful, Lord. You've called our names. Make us grateful enough, Lord God, to care for others that we may at least introduce someone who doesn't know you. Introduce them to you and be a witness of how wonderful you are and how great your salvation is. And I pray this in the name of Jesus, as I also pray for Sharice's family. Those children are ill and you are the great physician. Not only do you heal the sin sick soul, but you have the power, Lord God, to touch the sick body for you made it. And you can speak, God, in every organ, every system, every cell. Lord God, everything inside that we cannot see, you already know about and you can see. And you can speak, Lord God, and it must obey every little, every part of it. Every drop of blood, every cell. Lord God, everything must obey. And we ask you, Father, for healing over all of us in the name of Jesus Christ, that we may live strong lives to do the work, Lord God, that only your children can do, and that is be an instrument of your love and carry your great gospel anointed by you, God, to save many. From their sins, I pray, and I bless you for it right now, in the name of Jesus Christ. May our God be praised forever and ever. I welcome you all, and I ask the Lord to give you a joyous, wonderful celebration, but that you keep in the center of it this this story that is recorded both in Matthew and Luke. That Jesus Christ so loved the world that he kept his promise. He knew he was going to do it from the beginning. That he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish. So the Bible says, will not perish, cannot perish if you believe in him. But you will also have eternal life. And with that, I bless him and thank you for being with me tonight, for always being with me. And I ask a double portion of his goodness, his blessing, his prosperity, his love upon you all. I bless him and thank you so much. And I know you know we've been dining at a table. It's been great tonight. It's always good. Every morsel. Everything we take in is for the nourishing of our spiritual life so that we grow more and more like Jesus Christ. Joy, you're so welcome. I hope you will join us at 8 o'clock. This is Rehoboth Institute of the Arts Outreach. We are, wow, what a show in the live format, right? And I hope you will come again and uh, thank you, guys. It was so much fun for you to participate as you did tonight. Go in peace. Enjoy your holiday. And join me again next week. God bless you all. Bye for now. I love you, too. So much. Thank you, Joy.